2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Original 1037
3: WEEI. Always live on a free Odyssey app. Now it's time for Cordishy and Coid. Call the show at
1: 401-737-1287. Southern New England Sports Original 1037 wei Good Saturday morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of Cordishian and Coit on Southern New England Sports Original 103.7 WEEI. My name is Scott Cordishian. I am in lovely Ithaca, New York with the Brown Bears who will take on the Cornell Big Red in college football action later this afternoon. And back in his condo in some part of Rhode Island. I'm not going to give away the town that he lives in. It's our very own Nick Coit. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I mean, nobody's coming after
3: me, Scott, but that's okay. I I appreciate that. Good you never morning. know. You never know. Yeah, you, it's you know,
1: true. You, 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 you know, you forget to show a high school highlight and some, you know, parent gets upset and they're going to be hunting Nick Coit down, you know? Well, I will say, Scott, <laughs> I, I was very proud, you know. Our job as
3: as local sportscasters on TV is to is to sell what we're covering and sell what we're putting on the air. Yep. Last night, I I ended up, um you know, our, our feature game last night was Middletown and Lincoln. And, you know, after I wrapped up there, it was a six o'clock kickoff. So it was about eight thirty. And Ian texted me and said, hey, this Hendrickson game's gotten good. Could you grab my, you know, the game I was supposed to get earlier at uh, at Bryant University? And I was like, yeah, sure. It's right up the road. So I get there, and it's 8.40. Typically, these games go like two hours. So I'm thinking, all right, I'll probably get there for the fourth quarter. Well, this game ended up going really fast. So I showed up, and Exeter West Greenwich was about to take victory formation knees to kill the clock. Yep. So the only plays I got from the game were three kneel downs. <laughs> well, I will say, I okay, was that very might... proud that we, that we sold it on the air. I said, hey, it's everybody's favorite play in the playbook. It's... Victory formation, and we just sold. I mean, we did 40 seconds on victory formation, and I was like, you know, that's the job, man. That is the job. So I was yep. very proud of that last night, Nick. That's why you're the three time Rhode Island Sports Broadcaster of the year. <laughs> hey, you know, we tried, Joe.
1: There's nothing like pick six. Hey, <laughs> hey,
3: we have fun, we have fun for sure.
1: Oh, good stuff. And by the way, I, I, um, you know, me, I am, I am a faithful viewer of uh, ABC six sports normally during the week when I'm home. I, I mm-hmm. missed Monday sports cast when you did a piece on the bench press for cancer with coach for zone.
3: Yeah. Which was fun, which yeah. was really cool. He showed me and... it
1: last night at, at team dinner. So that was, that <laughs> Oh, was did awesome.
3: he? Oh, good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's He's, he's great. Paul's so great. Um, It's a great event. I was glad I could do it myself this year to show up and, and, uh, cover the event. And, um, it was fun. It's just fun to see the football players, what, $15,000 raised for the Miriam hospital. That's pretty, pretty darn cool. And and I don't know
1: what figure you have, but since in the life of the event, we have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably, I would say maybe closing in on on a million. I I know there were some years when we raised like between 30 and $40,000 a year. Um, now, in the beginning stages of it, the, all the proceeds benefited the American Cancer Society. Now we keep that money local, and it goes to the cancer survivorship program at the Merriam Hospital. But uh, now the kids do a great job of that. They, you know, they, they own that event, and uh, they do it, in, as you pointed out correctly, in the memory of their former Fallon teammate, Lawrence Rubida, who was a captain back in the early 2000s. He was an offensive tackle and a great offensive lineman who lost his life to cancer to Ewing sarcoma. So
3: yeah, it's it's awesome. It's really cool and and coach Rizon says he has so much energy and uh I just I love that he gets on the bench and smokes everybody afterwards after they all do their bench pressing whatever cuz you know, he still got it and you know, it's it's great. But yeah, yes. it's it's all it's all for such a great cause and so um, appreciate that i know you're following the uh the team up there up in as you called it lovely ithaca new york oh, God. place, you know, place I that mean, i just will never go back to
1: <laughs> pretty, pretty much when you come up here anytime from october to the end of march just expect the skies to be gray and there to be some type of precipitation i mean like if you see the sun up here in the fall slash winter or early spring it is a clear bonus consider yourself lucky you know Typical Ithaca weather. I, this is not a place that I would want to call home. That is for for sure. By the way, Joey P. D, you probably don't have a chance to watch the uh, the home Brown football broadcast on ESPN Plus, but Mister Coit had some pretty impressive interviews this past week on the sideline. He interviewed, oh yeah, yeah, he interviewed the Boomer Chris Berman. And uh, he also interviewed Steve Jordan, former Minnesota Vikings tight end and former Brown Bears. So Nick was ripping it up on the sidelines last week.
3: He's a busy uh, I, man. I, I, I would just say it was a successful day. The Bears turned things around. This could, I'm just saying this could be a warp turner yeah. for the Brown University football program. I, well, I, Joe. I,
1: yeah. Joe, Joe, I dared him to do that Berman impersonation of Berman in front of Berman. He wouldn't do it. He no. sounded more like my friend's <laughs> uncle like, than you no do
3: uh, Chris Berman. <laughs> wouldn't do it. I did, So I did do it afterwards. I did do it afterwards. I wasn't on the air, but I saw him in the parking lot afterwards and he said, I, What did I tell you? Because they came back and won an overtime, of course. And yeah. I said to well, him, You said to me at halftime, ah, Worm Turner for the Brown University football. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: Uh, So it should be fun today. I I think we're going to get this game in without showers. I think the rain here is supposed to end around like 8, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock latest in the morning and then just be kind of cloudy and overcast. But uh, it should be fun because the Bears are one of six teams in the Ivy League that are currently tied for second, a game behind Harvard in the league standing. So this is going to be kind of, in my opinion, this is almost an elimination game because – I think the loser of this game with two Ivy league losses can forget about uh, probably winning or sharing an Ivy league title. Cause very rarely does a team win the Ivy league football championship with two losses.
3: Well, and this is uh this is a fun Saturday here, Scott, because Brown's in contention here in the Ivy league, which is awesome. Uh, great to see, um, you know, the, the football program really competing this year. Uh, these Saturdays are, are great because um, I, you know, URI is playing Albany today. That's a really tough game. Um, I think the winner of that game, you know, gives themselves a chance, obviously, to continue to to fight for possibly an FCS I, playoff spot I, I, down I think, the road.
1: I, I think Rhodey's going to win out. Do you? I, I think I, I so think, too. Yeah, I think so too. Last week, I think they've got to win out if they want to get into the SCS playoffs.
3: And I, I think this one's this one's huge because Albany's right there. I think they're looking right at Albany and saying like, we're in similar spots. So you know, we'll we'll see if they can get it done today. Obviously, tough on the road um you know and and i think bryant has a chance you know today against eastern illinois so um it's fun when the local college football programs are, are playing well particularly when
1: we don't have much to look forward to on uh on sundays now here in new england so yeah so joey p <laughs> how are you doing up in our worcester massachusetts studio my friend i haven't even had a chance to welcome you to the program
3: well i appreciate you being cordial up there in the lovely gray skies of Ithi- ithaca new york i'm doing good guys
1: I would say sure. Ithaca, New York, is like Worcester on steroids. So, Joe, I was gonna say I'm getting places. a Worcester
3: vibe the way you <laughs> described it. So, Scotty, did I ever tell you my Ithaca story? No. So, uh, my uh, my mom and I went up, and my sister as well. We were looking at schools, you know, before I chose my college, which ended yep. up being Emerson College. And Ithaca, I was accepted to Ithaca, and so was had, I. you know, How yeah, about- and they have a good journalism program. And so I said, all right, we should go up and visit it. So we did, and you know, I thought it was, thought it was good. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure. And so we ended up after our, our college visit there, uh, we ended up going to the local Dunkin' Donuts and they messed up our order. And my mom looked at me and said, you're not going here. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> we left Ithaca, New York. And I said, I think we have visited uh, University of Hartford after that. This is a few other schools, but They messed up our local uh, order at the local Dunkin' Donuts and we crossed them off the list. So that's that was our tell. It was like, this isn't right. It doesn't feel right. They screwed up our Dunkin'
1: order. There you go. That's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we got a lot to to get to today. Uh, Did you see, by the way, where yet another GM candidate has turned down the Red Sox, Kim Ng, the former Marlins GM? She's become the latest to decline an offer to interview with the Red Sox. This is a problem for this organization it's a thing. right now. Yeah, well, what is it, it's up to thing 10, 10 thing.
3: candidates that have declined interview now? It's
1: crazy. It's, it's a thing, guys.
3: It's, it's a real thing. And I think we, we talked about this over the last few weeks, but somebody asked the question to Sam Kennedy at the end of season press conference about job security with this particular position. And yep. Sam Kennedy, God love him, he got his back up and got sensitive. And in his answer, it was very fiery back. He said, well, this is the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, if you want to win, you know, this is the place for you. But if if you don't, you know, it just, his answer was very sensitive. And guess what, Sam, there's a problem here. And whoever that was that asked that question sensed it as we all have, it's not good job security. Why would people, why would people uproot their family and move to Boston to take over a position that in four years they may not have anymore because that's what's happened as they've cycled through all these gms it just doesn't provide you with the job security not to mention the fact that whoever does come in as gm it doesn't sound like they're going to be able to hire a ton of their own people the red sox have kept a lot of people in place and oh by the way the field manager is one of those people and Alex Cora, which you could do worse starting a franchise and having Alex Cora as your field manager. But you know the dynamic there is is really interesting. The fact that they kept him and they let go of Bloom, um, I, I think all of those things mixed together have you know turned into something that these candidates are turning down interviews, not just turning down the job, turning down an interview for the job. That's the wild thing to me is that these candidates are saying thanks, but no thanks, and not even taking the interest. So that that to me is, it's a real issue for the Sox.
1: John Henry, get your house in order That, that, that those that would be my advice. Okay, this you've got a serious problem, you need to address it, whether it's publicly or privately, you need to address this and you need to get to the root of it find out why people are declining the interviews and if it is you know that they're they're worried about job security because of the way you've handled the past couple of gms if it's because they don't want to work for sam kennedy it's up to you to remedy that right and, and assure them hey you know I, I understand what's happened you know we've made some mistakes in the past i assure you that's not the case we'll sign you to a a healthy contract with some good job security whatever or if you don't want to work for sam kennedy maybe we'll reassign him or move him on from the organization whatever that process pr- problem is where people are continually declining uh, maybe it's Alex Cora maybe some of them don't want to inherit a manager they want to bring in their own guy that becomes a little bit more tricky because they've already kind of publicly committed to Alex Cora as being their manager moving ahead whatever it is uh, it, it's an issue and and I think it's going to uh, lead to an internal hire I think probably Romero might get the, uh, the, the, the nod but um, it, it's just not a good look for this organization, which is you know coming off of its second consecutive last place finish. Um, it's just not a good look. It's it's a terrible look, Scott.
3: It's terrible. I, that that's the thing. I I think the answer when when Sam Kennedy got defensive about the job and the position, the answer is something that you you'd probably want from the Red Sox and fighting for the position. Like this is the Boston Red Sox. You know that that's what it has been in the past, but you're right, they, they need to figure out why it is that all these candidates are turning down interviews, because that's not a good look. That means in the industry, I think these candidates have probably been talking, people in the industry have been talking about the fact that it doesn't have, you know, A, B, and C, why this isn't a great job to be even looking at or interviewing for. So yeah, they definitely need to, you know, address it. I will say, though, you know, a couple of the candidates that have interviewed have been, you know, intriguing. And one name to, to me stood out and, and sort of reading up on what he's been able to do within the Chicago Cubs organization, I kind of looked at it and said, ooh, I mean, you know, and, and, and I guess he's been in, in talks, you know, possibly to just get a position, not necessarily the GM position, but, you know, if they say they go with Eddie Romero internally and they hire Craig Breslow, away from the Chicago Cubs. I I love the idea of a guy that, if you read up on him, he has helped rebuild the young pitching in the Chicago Cubs organization. That, to me, is really, really intriguing because that's something the Red Sox could really use with their organization is building up young pitching again. And the fact that I never – I always love having a guy – that has been part of the organization that has been in Boston, particularly that's been a player that understands and gets the atmosphere. Craig Breslow was part of that 2013 World Series Championship team. He saw it at its best. To me, having somebody like that in the fold. Hey, if they give him the GM job, I, I'm okay with that. I think he's he's probably worked up toward it here the last few years with the Cubs. And again, to me, he understands. What Boston is looking for, what it can be at its best, and so I—that I, was a name that intrigued me this week. That I thought, hmm, you know, if they were to be able to hire him to the organization, I, I think that I think a lot of people would probably be happy with it.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, I, I you know, Nick, uh, there's an old uh, saying. I've seen this movie before, and I know how it ends. um I have a feeling we are headed toward a path where it's going to be a bitch fest about the new england patriots very very shortly which is why i threw (laughs) which is why i threw out that red sox nugget to start i want to talk about the bruins and celtics to start as well before it becomes all patriots all the time which it normally does bruins off to a nice start at three and oh david Posternock, four goals and an assist through the first three games And how about the play of Van Riemsdyk? Three goals for him. I I think, as we thought would be the case, uh, both Olmark and Swayman have been solid between the pipes. So nice start for the Bees to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not shocked at this. It's still a team that has a
3: lot of skill and a lot of good veterans on it. I think that was Don Sweeney's concept here in the off season was you know sign some good veterans you know to complement the guys that you already have that can, you know, lead on your roster, whether it's David Posternack scoring goals. I thought Ravin Riemsdijk, I, th- I thought he would be a contributor because, you know, barring health, because um, I don't think he was healthy last year. Yep. Um, you know, I think the pleasant surprise with this Bruins team is the play of some of their, you know, younger players. And having a guy like Matthew Patra to slot in there, you know, in the center group, that that's huge. I mean, having a young player that can grow, develop here, and I like the concept of him, you know, centering one of the top two lines because I just think having a young player with a guy like Brad Marchand, your captain, you know, helping him along, I think he's going to learn and improve quickly. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great thing to have. Um, you know, having John Beecher in the bottom six, I think is, is a great thing to have, too, another young player there. Um, so I'm not, I'm not shocked to the start. I, I'm, I'm I'm glad. I thought they were going to win a lot of hockey games. I thought they they weren't going to set records this year or anything like that, but there's just too many good veterans on this Bruins roster for them not to, you know, be a solid team and I think be a playoff team. And so getting off to a good start is a great way to, you know, propel yourselves toward that goal.
1: And look, uh, I've never been one to put much, in fact, put any stock in what we see in the preseason, but you got to like the way the Celtics look. I mean, they look primed and ready for the upcoming NBA regular season. And, you know, I think uh, our question is, you know, can Tatum and Brown assume the leadership roles that they need to for this franchise to make a run at Banner 18? I think we all like the acquisitions of Porzingis and, and Holiday. Um, but I think we also question, are they going to miss Marcus Smart in any way, shape, or form, whether it be – His defensive presence or, you know, his toughness or attitude or is losing Marcus addition by subtraction? Was he that strong voice in the room they needed to get rid of to allow Tatum and Brown to step into those leadership roles we talked about? And then, you know, of course, not having Time Lord, not having Malcolm Brogdon, you know. Do do you like this team? Do you have a good feeling about them heading into the upcoming season? Because they certainly look good. When they were playing their guys during the preseason, they looked really good.
3: Yeah, I, I think they look great. Um, I, <laughs> boy, it, it is it is fun to watch Chris Tapps Porzingis when he is on and when he is healthy. I think he can do a lot of different things. The way he can shoot, I think the way he can be disruptive defensively, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm fascinated by him. You know, I, I I think he can be a real help. And playing with Tatum and Brown, clearly he he knows how beneficial that can be for him you know, the fact that he's, you know, he's basically, he's the third option offensively. Um, You know, he sees it, he's enjoying it so far. That's, that's great to see. In terms of the leadership and the voices, Scott, I, I, I like two things. I like this week. Uh, The first thing was hearing Jason Tatum talk about, and it wasn't just him. I think Porzingis talked about it too. The sacrifice that these guys will have to make, you know, to come together collectively that it gave me, Huge 2008 Celtics vibes, you know, talking about, hey, look, if our stats dip a little bit, fine. That means that everybody's getting involved, that everybody's doing, you know, their part to try to win this championship. I, I think hearing Tatum say that out loud to me, I, I said, hmm, OK, that stands out. That means that he's preaching it. He's saying it in the locker room. Maybe he's stepping forward as more of a leader. And then the second thing that I liked this week about the Celtics was I, I think Joe Missoula's confidence is... 10 times larger than it was last year. And I think having a full off season as the head coach, being able to plan for training camp here, plan for the season, having his own staff. Um, I think last year he was really thrown into things, you know, after the email Doka situation, but I think this year he's really had a chance to sort of say, okay, I'm the coach. I get to establish my own culture here, all that. And I think having a couple of those big voices that were in the room, now out of the room, I think helps Joe too because I think he can take command of the room a bit as the head coach a little bit because we we heard Marcus Smart last year talking about like you know Joe this Joe that I, I think there was probably some clashing there you know in terms of the voices and the strength of them and I think this helps Joe a lot and I just I love how confident the guy is right now.
1: I I hope you're right. Um, uh, that to be honest with you, I'd be lying if I said. My biggest concern about this team still isn't the head coach. Uh, I just think his, his youth, his inexperience, I thought it showed last year. I know they've fortified the coaching staff with some veterans. I know they've got a guy like Van Gundy that's a consultant now for the organization. I agree yeah. with you that I think Joe probably learned a lot from his first year as head coach taking over for e But I thought he got thrown into a spot in a tough spot, you know, when everything happened, you know, with Ime Udoka. And, you know, I, I worry, is, is Joe the guy that's going to be able to, you know, take this team where it, it should go, right, based upon its talent? Like, is he going to be able to call a timeout in a tight game and draw up a winning <laughs> play for them? I, I think the answer is yes, but I'd be lying if I if I said I wasn't concerned about it. I am.
3: I I was going to say I think the first the first sign of things in terms of growth might be or you know philosophy or however it is and and changing it will be when there's a there's a run by another team and there's a there's a spot to call a timeout I think we'll find out things very quickly <laughs> right
1: all right so we've got a few things on the table to start there the red sox news another gm turning them down uh the bruins off to a nice start the celtics looking primed and ready for the upcoming season you can talk about any of those things and yes 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 we will get into the patriots and their struggles and maybe what is inside of bob Kraft's head right now we will do that as well when we continue right now we'll take a break The number to call is 401-777-1037. That's 401-777-1037. And you can reach us on the text line this morning. That number is 37937. We'll take a break. We'll come back with your phone calls. You're listening to Cordishian Coit on WEI. Now, here's What's
2: Trending. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,